Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there is certainly a lot of uncertainty going around these days. And, yet, and that makes today's rather lengthy reading from John's Gospel the perfect jumping off point for our prayers and our reflections on how we can move forward in uncertain times such as these. Now in that reading, Jesus and his disciples are journeying from Jerusalem to Galilee, and they take the most direct route, which was a straight line through Samaria. And as it turns out, the first person that Jesus encounters is someone who has been living with layer upon layer of uncertainty in their life. The first source of that uncertainty is the fact that she is a woman. Now, you know this. You know that in those days, women were so much lower on the social scale than men that they were almost property. That means women were very vulnerable. They had no power to chart the course of their lives. And I remember in seminary learning that the average first century Jewish man's daily prayers, the morning prayers, usually included something like this. I thank you, God, for not having made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. The second layer of uncertainty for this woman came from the fact that she was a Samaritan. Again, you know this. You know that back then the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Each thought the other as being unclean and ungodly. They avoided each other at all costs. And so for a, a Samaritan woman to have an unexpected encounter with a Jewish man could only increase the likelihood that something bad was going to happen to her. The third layer of uncertainty uh, almost certainly stemmed from the fact that this woman was an outcast from her neighbors. I mean, why else would she be gathering water at the hottest part of the day rather than in the cool of the morning with the other woman? And the fourth layer of uncertainty is related to the third. Uh, it's likely that she's an outcast because she's had five husbands. Five husbands who've either died or divorced her. And in that culture, that sort of track record marked you as a person who was being punished by God. And that's probably why gentleman number six is simply living with her. He didn't want to risk uh, getting married to her. And so to wrap all this up, it's worth noting that the fact that she's a woman, the fact that she was a Samaritan, and the fact that she's lost five husbands to either death or divorce, that none of these are situations that she had any control over. But still, they're being held against her. That is a lot of uncertainty. And so in that remarkable exchange between two unlikely conversationalists, Jesus punches through all of that uncertainty and affirms her ultimate value as a human being. He affirms her as a Samaritan simply by interacting with her and by uh, being willing to drink from her water bucket. He affirms her as a woman by being willing to speak with her as an equal. And he affirms her as a person in her own right by offering to her a new relationship with God and through that, the possibility of a new relationship with her neighbors. And Jesus accomplished all that by offering her a choice. Well water, which can only quench her physical thirst, 
living water, which can quench her deeper and more significant needs. For example, her need for acceptance as a human being, and her need for validation as a person who has something of value to offer to others, but especially her need for the hope that her future can somehow be better than her past. And because we know the end of the story, we know the choice she made. Now, fortunately, Jesus uh, makes the same offer to us that he made to that woman. Because he knows that we've all been the victims of people who have tried to make us feel like outsiders or nobodies or losers. He knows that we, too, live with layer upon layer of uncertainty in our lives. So what does it mean to choose living water? What happens when we do? Well, first of all, I'll tell you what won't happen. Living water won't erase all the bad stuff that's happened to us in our past. Nor is it a promise that our future will be easy and free of pain. However, through that living water, God is promising to help us to transform all of that junk we've, that's happened to us in the past, as well as all the junk that's going to happen to us in the future, that God will help us to begin transforming that junk into the building blocks of a new life. In other words, living water can transform us into people who've managed to come to terms with the past and, and the evil that's been done to us, to transform us into people who've transcended our anger, our grief that have come from those experiences, to transform us, in other words, into people who can become a source of hope and inspiration for others. In his book, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts, Dr. Kenneth C. Kinghorn relates the wounds that we've received in life to the spiritual gifts we've been given. And he writes, I believe that many, perhaps all, of our spiritual gifts may be understood in terms of our suffering. The relation is simple. If we did not have the specific set of wounds we have, we would not have the specific set of gifts our uniqueness as individuals, while a product of many influences, is intimately related to our wounds. We are shaped and molded by them, made sensitive and toughened by them, and by our responses to them through the years. And in fact, this is exactly what St. Paul was saying in our reading to the Romans when he wrote that we can boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. Or as someone else once wrote, if suffering went out of life, courage, tenderness, pity, faith, patience, and love in its divinity would go out of life too. In the end, we can't do a thing about the past, and there will be many things in our future that will also be beyond our control. But what we can control is how we respond to those things. By choosing that living water that God offers to us, we can control whether we will be people who are simply wounded by life or people who allow those wounds 
to transform them into agents of God's grace and hope. In the end, this is how we as people of faith can find life and hope despite all of the uncertainties around us, by accepting that we are. And in case you were wondering, the way we can choose that living water may sound something like this. Let us pray. Lord God, you know the pain we have suffered and perhaps are still suffering. You know the difficulties we have faced and perhaps are still facing. We've done our best to attend the wounds that we received, but sometimes they resist our best efforts and sometimes the scars they leave still haunt us. By the grace of your Holy Spirit, give us your living water. And through it, begin a process whereby, moment by moment, day by day, we can feel that we are being made whole again. But not just whole, but also strong. Strong enough to face our past with the assurance of your presence in our lives, and strong enough to look to the future with all of its uncertainties, with a hope that finds its source in you. Then in time, allow us to be ministers to others who have likewise been wounded. And through us, allow them to feel your arms when we embrace them. Allow them to hear your voice when we speak to them. And allow them to feel your love when we accept them just as they are. In all this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord.